Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online, seven days a week, 24-7, here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You can pick us up as either a podcast or as a radio loop, as your mood and predilection so dictates. Uh, the podcast speaks for itself. That's the first link on our homepage. The second link says radio loop, and it is precisely what it sounds like. It is a loop of this show that you're listening to right now, uh, running in, yeah, in a loop, and you pick it up at whatever point in the loop it happens to be, like any other, uh, back in the analog days of turning on a radio show, you listened in, got interested, stuck around, got, in, got, got engrossed in the whole idea of what was going on, and in this particular instance, if you came in after the beginning and want to hear the beginning, well, the beginning will start again, just like a, a Saturday matinee movie um, when the show finishes. So it just keeps going in a loop until our next most recent show shows up. That's the way we do it here because we have many people who enjoy it that way, and that's the way we're going to keep it. It is... At last, <laughs> it's November eighth. I, I I I can't I can't take any more commercials. It is it is election day in America. It is the day of the 2022 midterm elections. I have never, I I I, I I've I've said to myself every time in in recent cycles, I've probably said the same words. But I, uh, I, I need them as much as ever. I have never been so grossed out by uh, political advertising as I have been in this election cycle. It is endless. It is vicious. It is pandering in the worst. And I'm talking about on all sides. It is basically using the same technique, but simply replacing faces and names and, and, and slogans, but always with the same fear reaction. At least that's most of what I get. The Democrats do have a, a hopeful uh, tilt to some of the advertising I'm seeing that this could be better, but, but, but I guess market surveys and all kinds of uh, political uh, pundits have uh, told them, all of the advisors, all of the, uh, the people who create these campaigns have come up with the only way we're going to operate here is fire with fire, at least when it comes to the campaigning process itself. So the vast majority, if, 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 you, if you weren't sitting around trying to do a statistical study of the nature of ads generally, you'd come up with, if you, if you were, probably damn close to 100% on the Republican side with fear and intrepidation and its 
it's the economy is, is too much money, it's their fault, and crime, there's too much, it's their fault, and it's horrible, and vote for us, and somehow we'll just change all that simply because we can and do, it's what we do, we're, we're Republicans, and they're not. It's, it's, there, there's, no, there's no real um, uh, pr process or no, no real program, no, uh, no, uh, no, no actual um, change of any particular sort that the Republicans are putting out there. It's a feeling. I think, I think Carrie Lake said it best. I heard this last night. Uh, essentially, uh, she's saying that this is not a, a campaign. Car Carrie Lake is running for governor in, um, in Arizona. And, and, and she has been, I don't, I don't think she is right now, maybe, maybe she still is, but she was a newscaster. She was a local newscaster in Arizona. And, and she knew how to talk about politics. She knew how to report on politics, but had no real experience in politics until I think this was, she was another one of the, uh, the Trump uh, uh, tap, tap, she was tapped by Donald essentially to be this person who he felt was capable of being angry enough and mean enough and, and vicious enough and, and, and venomous enough and loving him and willing to kowtow to his fat ass enough to basically run as a candidate uh, for an important office. And of course, the idea on the Republican side, uh, understandably, is to pack every office you can up and down the ballot with as many loyal Republicans, loyal being the operative word, a Republican who's willing to do the ultimate bidding of a Donald in this situation, okay? If, in other words, if something is close and there's a question about an election, we're making sure that we have both the governor's office and we have the secretary of state covered, but we know that we're gonna cover them with candidates who essentially, if push came to shove and if it were a tight election, will look the other way and ultimately will give the election to the Republican candidate. And, and maybe not even look the other way, not even recognize that there is another way. Basically, uh, the thought being that the type of steal that took place, that the type of thing that destroyed Donald's a valid desire to be an ongoing perpetual president and everything that he did, the steal that took his win away could never happen again. No, not if we, we we'll have real people in there uh, to basically make sure that things go correctly. And if they seem as though they're not going our way, well, we can adjust things on the fly, as it were. This, it's, it's a madness. It, it's, it's, a, it's a compulsory paranoia designed to basically keep people in a perpetual state of grievance with no thought whatsoever to the realities that are, that are playing out. It's simply they're doing something to us and we must undo it. We must respond to a wrong, a grievance, a perpetual wrong and grievance. In this case, Donald's stolen, the election that was stolen from Donald. This, this facilitates, gives, this gives us the right to do whatever we need to do forever. Carrie Lake 
puts it best. Uh, she, she said that this is not so much an election. You see, this is, this is not about an election or a campaign. She, she said, this is a movement. And the movement, as she defined, I was watching her last night. The movement is of people who are saying together, out loud, we're sick of this crap. Now, the, the crap is basically, I, I, I don't know what, I guess, I guess if there's crap, the crap will be about um, that, that there is inflation in the country and that crime has ticked up in many large cities around the country. Um, crap, okay. Uh, well, if, it's, if, if you want to call those two real problems crap, you can basically dismiss both as being uh, sort of voluntarily permitted by the other side. And we can simply, we, the, the, those who are sick of crap, can come in and somehow dissolve it, pour, pouring like a solvent on every problem that's out there, and it will evaporate. It will be, it will be pouring uh, dishwashing detergent on grease, and it'll just sort of break it all up, and it'll rinse all away. Ridiculous stuff. Not a program, not, not, a, not a platform, not a series of, of, of actual uh, things that would be done. Simply a, a statement of anger and the anger being a statement of unity. There's crap out there and we're going to uncrap it. But never how. And, and yet you've got a big chunk of the country basically running out there uh, with this notion that, that we, are, we, are the, we are the the recipients, we are the target of nonstop crap, as it were. We, we, are, we are basically uh, suffering. We have been made to suffer by having to put up with Crap, and, and again, this all keeps coming back to Donald, of course. If, if basically um, we can, you can steal an election from us, then we have been disrespected and we are, we are subject to your crap. You people somehow set this up. No one, no, no we're not, we're not going to even notice the fact that there were 63 cases around the country, brought most of them with Rudy at the front, Rudy who has been suspended from the practice of law throughout the United States. And we're not going to notice that 62 of the 63 cases were either flat out lost on motion or lost once it got into some, and that, and that Rudy, well the reason Rudy's no longer a practicing attorney is because essentially um, when the court when the judge finally said, okay, there's a motion here to dismiss what's going on, the motion would require you presenting prior to trial what your grievance is, what it is you're coming to court for, what you expect me to review and rule on that would suggest 
there was an illicit activity of some sort or illicit activities associated with the vote for Donald Trump in, 20, in 2020 in whichever jurisdiction this, this court happens to be. Show me what it is you're complaining about. Show me why you're saying that there was improper activity. Show me the fraud. Show me, show me what you're going to try to prove. Otherwise, it would only stand to reason the way our system is set up. If the other side says, hey, Your Honor, look, we're being dragged into court here by a bunch of people who are out there on TV and Rudy among them, and they're all saying, uh, boy, oh boy, the, the Democrats are horrible, and they've got 10, they put in 10 billion new names of people who don't exist, and they're lying, and they're cheating, and their ballots are all blah, blah. Okay, um, before we go any further... I, I would like the judge to, before we, before we have a jury review this, I'd like to have the judge look at this material, says the attorney for the defendants in this case. The defendant may have been uh, the, the secretary of state, whoever it was that has within the state validated the results of the election. The person who says, no, it wasn't a problem. No, it was, says Rudy. It's, it's, they did it all wrong. It's, it's terrible. The, the election machines, and they all set up and set us, and it's just, it's just the worst thing. Okay, okay, says the judge. Before we even start the case, come here. In, in, in chambers, outside of the view of anyone, because we want you, know, we want you to be able to present your, 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 your proof validly, show me what you've got. 63 times, okay, now, now this is, I, I've tried having this conversation on any number of occasions with uh, Republican friends and family. Usually it breaks down somewhere around here. They normally, I find, this is the part that I find fascinating, aren't aware, don't know that there were 63 cases brought relative to the claims being made, being made to this day by Donald and his surrogates and, and the 300 people running for the Republicans who are election deniers. They don't know that there were 63 cases brought in federal and state courts around the country on this particular issue. And these cases were brought, for the most part, prior to the inauguration on January the 20th of 2021. And the cases went through the entire process, but every single time, in 62 of, the, well, 60, all 63, but in 62 of the 63, I think, and there, there may have been some that actually went into to a trial phase, but in the vast majority, the question came from the judge based on a motion, a a request being made of the defendants, or maybe, depending on how it was said, maybe they were the plaintiffs, whoever it was that was saying, no, there was no fraud. Your Honor, before we start this trial, will you please force these people to show us what it is they're claiming that we did? And the judge invariably said, well, yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. Okay, Rudy, and if it was Rudy or one of the other crazies, uh, show us what you got. 
And every single time, there was nothing there. 62 cases, including three that went before the Supreme Court, the court including the three people that Donald put on there, two of whom lied to the Senate during their hearing, saying that they were not going to touch stare decisis, that they weren't going to touch Roe v. Wade, said it out loud, said it on tape, are subject to censure or being impeached and removed from the bench for it, Set just right out there, including those, those, those people are totally unworthy to be members of the Supreme Court, and then I add, I add Clarence Thomas to that and his, and, his, uh, and his conspiracy lunatic wife, Ginny, out there basically uh, spouting the same crap. And, 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 and not even they refused to touch Donald. They refused to even give him, they refused to what they call grant certiorari in the three cases that came before the Supreme. No, we're not even going to look at this. There isn't an, you know, the, the Supreme Court has the right to decide whether or not they're going to take any case that comes to it. And they said, no, there's no way in hell we're even going to look at this. There ain't nothing there. Now, you can repeat this time and time again to Republicans or Trump-loving sorts, the, the, the MAGA types, no amount of repetition, no amount of proof, you, you could, I would imagine you could probably have a, uh, I could produce a list of these things, I could probably go, I, if, if, if it went far enough, I'd probably have to get copies of the documentation. I would have to show uh, the actual uh, ruling by the judge on the motion to dismiss based on lack of specific evidence. And I could, I could compile those in, in, in any format I want. I could show the official paper. I could show the seal. I could get the original documents. Nothing, nothing is going to break through. And I've, I've found this in conversations. I, I can't, and I try to be a reasonable guy, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I get kind of animated. What you see is pretty much how I am in, in person also. But I try to be reasonable and I try to listen to people. But it comes back to the same thing. There are 63 cases. One, in one case, by the way, the Republicans did win. But it had no bearing on the ultimate result. It was a small group of votes that either had been misplaced or something happened. One out of 63 cases, and it had, it happened in Pennsylvania. It had no bearing on the final vote. So that to say that Donald Trump had the election stolen from him, let's just, let's just get this out and leave it here and this is where it stays, is to basically deny fact. Any, the, the only competent sources, the ultimate competent sources within our system to make a decision about whether fraud was committed, the way we've set up the country, 
using the judicial system as the final arbiter. That system worked, and the final arbiter down the line said, ain't no fraud here, period. Or if, or if there were some, uh, some element of, uh, if, 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 a few, if a handful of votes could have, got, well, no, not enough to even begin, you know, compensating for however many votes Donald tried to steal out of Georgia. We're waiting to see if he gets indicted on that. He must, he should. It ain't there. But there's no way, there's no reasonable way to get this across. It doesn't, it doesn't get in. Now, am I kidding myself? If, 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 if let's say, I don't know, if, if some, if, if a series of networks did a show on this, if everybody, if, let's say if all the broadcast networks did shows on the nature of the 63 cases and said, look, understand this, and please, we're talking to everybody. There ain't no there, there. Nothing happened. This is all a lie. It's nothing but Donald's constant repetition of a lie, and it's the perpetuation of that lie by people who are basically his sycophants for whatever reason, and it's basically a failure of vision, a failure of understanding about America, failure to recognize the danger that is that it, that it represents to our democracy to basically keep denying the results of what was a valid election to pump that and pump it and pump it into people's heads and basically to get to a point where better than half of all republicans still believe that the election was stolen i had a buddy of mine who i thought was one of the brightest guys in the world and i think he is still but who said to me a few days ago well you know i'm i'm, I'm I, I, I think there might have been something, something might have been wrong about that. I said, and I'm not going to use his name. I said, no, there were 63, I just go back to this. There were 63 cases. The, the Republicans lost 62 of them. And it was based on the fact that there was no evidence presented for fraud anywhere across the board, federal, state, local, every place that they tried to go ahead and to raise the issue of fraud to the point where there would have to be action taken. No. And so what they're doing now essentially is saying, well, since we can't win within the system, we're going to fix the system. Fix in the worst sense of the word, we're basically going to put secretaries of state, who usually have the last word in many of these elections, we're going to put them in there. We're going to put, and we're going to make sure we have more Republican governors. And we're, but we're, the people we're putting in will be the people who will basically throw the switch. They will, if it's just even a little close, will basically cave in and make it go for the Republicans and ultimately the Donald-loving Republicans. Simply because, remember, we've been wronged. We are, we are sick of the crap, as Carrie Lake should say, does say, has said, said last night. This, this is what's out there. Now, we have still two parties in this country, and there are always valid issues. Under normal circumstances, issues like 
the economy and crime are the stuff of normal standard campaigns. And when you, and, of, and I've said this any number of times, we have, we, we have another, another factor, not an issue, it's a factor. The factor being a, a repetition of statistically, the party that has won the White House tends to lose the Congress, or at least one of the houses of Congress, in the first midterm after the election. This, is, this has been seen, and many people have, it's a sign of health as a rule within the democratic process. Basically, people said, okay, you know, we've given all this power, that we recognize how big and powerful the presidency is. Now, two years later, we, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we don't want this president to be uh, running wild. It's never said in quite those words, but the tendency of the country is to swing. The pendulum swings a bit in the other direction, and the party that did not win the White House tends to pick up the Congress, or at least one house of it. And especially now when you have, when you have a situation where the, uh, the, the presidency and the House and the Senate have all been in the hands of one party, in this case the Democrats, yeah, it's, it's highly predictable that uh, there would be, under our, under the, 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 the unspoken rules that operate within our uh, electoral system, it's predictable that the Republicans would gain control of one or both houses. But, but there's, and I wouldn't be concerned about that under normal circumstances. But you see, the Republican Party has been hijacked. And, and more than just the notion that there shouldn't be crime and there shouldn't be inflation and, and the usual bullshit that, that, that surrounds those concepts coming from the party that says we can solve it, you know, and, 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 and Democrats are guilty of this too. I mean, let's face it. The highest budgets in the history of this country came just under, under, uh, under, under Donald. Okay, so uh, the inflation is something that has been burgeoning forever. The cap that was kept on inflation uh, with, you know, what was it, quantifiable easing, I believe, was one of the terms that was used, pumping money into the economy from the government to keep interest rates down. That, that had to give out eventually. COVID, essentially, with the breakdown of supply chains, with the absence of available people for work, with the, cha the utter change in the economy, sooner or later, economists, an honest economist would tell you that you could not keep the cap on inflation and the normal, uh, uh, the normal cycles that travel through our economy. You can, if you are of a particular political ilk, you can, you can always add the political rationale and say, well, the reason we have these cycles is that this party is always doing it wrong and this one's... So, so. But, but in, in any event, these are cycles. And as I say, I normally would not be... Uh, that captivated by the fact that Republicans might come back in. But it's what is at the heart of Republicanism right now. It's not just a question of winning the House and or the Senate. It's, it's the spoken 
the one agenda item, and that is to basically right the grievance, the wrong that was done to Donald. And that's what Donald is all about. And it's, it's, it's that added component, this irrational component that has overwhelmed all other political rationality, as rational as politics gets in America. It gets pretty irrational. It gets, it's overpriced. There's too much promotion. I can't stand, thank God for at least today, there's, this will be the last, I hope, of the election you know, uh, prattle, but of course, uh, what invariably seems to be in, uh, in store will be that there will be challenges to elections in which predominantly there will be challenges against Democratic winners. This has already been uh, projected. There have been lawsuits brought already saying it's, it's, it's false, it's wrong. Everything that can be done by the Republicans to amplify the basic message that Donald put out there in, 20, in 2016 and 2020, that if I lose, it's wrong. That now has been elevated to a systemic level. The, the, the processes of, of nominating people and the offices they're running for and the, the platform, if you can call it that, is basically there's going to be something dirty done here. So we are basically preparing to counter the dirtiness of the Democrats. You can't trust the electoral system. You can only trust what we do. It is, it is the antithesis of a free and fair election. It's beginning, it's, it's basically, it's, it's taking... It's, it's elevating Donald's uh, pathological uh, need to win and to basically hurt someone else, to, to blame, to be aggrieved. It's taking that and elevating it into the, the essence of a political party. Now, now okay, okay, shrug. No, <laughs> no, and 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 this is this is this is where I this is where the uh, the the conversation gets even stranger with Republicans or or people leaning in that direction and some very bright people who I used to think understood a thing or two about America. Um, no, I mean, what, what, what do you? Th democracy is going to go away. No, you're going to wake up the morning after the election, that'll be, I guess, tomorrow morning, and it'll be there, and people will go to work, and kids will go to school, and you'll go shopping, and you'll have dinner, and you'll go out with friends, and you'll go out, and you'll exercise, and you'll play, and you'll do whatever the hell it is you do. It's not going to change in any way. Well, you see, this is how, this is how fascism happens. I, I, I saw, I saw a, a fascinating, uh, wonderful little piece. Uh, of, my niece passed on something in a, uh, uh, on a Facebook page, and, and she saw this and repeated it. And someone had said, you know, I was a big fan of the, the sound of music and uh, of, um, what was the other one? I guess sound of music and there was a second movie uh, that would have been along the same line. And I, and I always thought, uh, 
growing up that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, and cabaret. And I, and I always thought that fascism, as it came into a country, would come with a great musical soundtrack. And I mean, it's, 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 it's irony and it's, it's, it's just gritting, oh, oh. But I, I and, you, and you can't help but laugh at the thought of it. But that's exactly where, how this happens. Um, if, if, you, if you think of both of those musicals, it all seemed so right and lovely until it wasn't, especially Cabaret. How everything is, everybody's still in the club, but there's a darkness coming, and suddenly you see more and more of the brown shirts and the club and everything. And it's never a one shot, instantaneous transition. It's, and it always begins with legal elections. No, 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 there's no way in hell. I'm, come on, stop it, Gazer. What the hell are you saying that we're, how can you even, oh, come on, you're nuts. You're crazy. There's no way in hell fascism and, and, that kind of, and that kind of authoritarianism is going to ever take over in America. Well, if you set the system up so that it will give you a result that is not supported by the vote and you use the vote to set up that system, then you are repeating the fascist playbook. Hitler was validly elected. Mussolini was validly elected their first time around, and then things became uglier. I, I don't know that... I, I suppose in the case of Hitler, yes, there was, the, there was this strong sense of Germany done wrong. Uh, in the case of, 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 of Trump, of course, it's Donald done wrong. He couldn't give a, he couldn't give a rat's ass about America, but there's this constant sense of something being wrong about for him. Now, he's been able to parlay that as no one else has been able to. He's, he's been able to usurp the entire, uh, the undercurrent of the Republican Party, maybe, maybe an, uh, an ugly undercurrent that the Republicans have been trying not to recognize within themselves, but Donald was able to just peel the scabs off and bring it right to the surface without a lot of difficulty because he's an ultimate showman. And he was able to recognize how, how easily grievance could be elevated. And so starting with the, starting with the, uh, the primaries back in, in, in 2015, remember, remember what happened then? Every Republican down the line, Lindsey Graham and, and, and McConnell and, and, and Marco Rubio and all of everybody, everybody, never Trump, never Trump. He's a jerk. He's a showman. He's a charlatan. He has no, he was a Democrat until a few weeks ago. He decided he could get this, he could do his grievance dance better with a Republican mentality that's, that's basically custom made, that's prepared for this. Never him. He's the worst thing that can happen. He is as un-Reagan-like, as un-Bush one-like as any human being could ever be. We can't have him here until <laughs> he started winning primaries. Then it was, oh, oh, I guess we can. Because basically, well, if he can win, then we'll do whatever the hell he wants. And the ethical issue 
and the moral issues and the lack of qualification for office and his psychological, his psychological detriments and his propensity to lie forever and ever and ever, all of the lawsuits that he skipped out on, all of the, all of the dirty deals that he had been part of, everything that everyone knew about this SOB suddenly became irrelevant because he could pull in votes. He could get the base to get angry because he told them that there was crap out there. It was lousy and the other side was out to get them and it was too damn long and who cares if I'm a, if I'm a fake billionaire or if, I, or if, I, if I'm well. I've got money, a lot of it I got from my daddy, and, and what I do I get from my name because I've been able to project my name, not from my building skills or my, or my, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> my capacity to be a great and thoughtful person in, in, in New York real estate. No, I get it because basically daddy gave me money and I've been able to promo my name and get banks to get me money and people basically to buy my name. All that's going away right now, by the way rapidly. But that's all you have to know. My quality as a candidate is absolutely secondary. We, 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 we're, we're desperate. And somehow this desperation scene, the, the theme of desperation, you don't need a platform. We're simply desperate. That was sufficient to get one election to get a presidency. Now, people figured it out during his presidency and he, he lost by substantially more votes than, well, he, he lost both elections on the popular side. He lost by three million on the first election in, 20, in 2016. He lost by eight million in the second. And this, of course, to Donald means that, well, I, I, I can't lose, I'm not a loser. My, my daddy's looking at me from the grave. Daddy's calling me a loser. I can't handle this. And now I have to take the country down. And I'll do whatever I have to do. I have never seen a human being capable of sustaining a lie as strongly and as long as Donald has in the face of every single proof to the contrary. Now, that's either the world's biggest liar, A, yes, and B, Someone, well, someone operating in a, from, a, from a position of fear like I've never, never seen in my life before. When you've lied in your life, okay, um, if, if, if it was a big lie, you, you know, and I, I, no, mommy, I don't want mom to know what I did because I'm, the, I'm responsible for breaking uh, whatever happened there. I, 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 broke, I broke the vase, I broke the window, but I'm going to have to come up with a story here to basically cover all that. And we, we see this in, in so much of our we see this in so much of our literature, we see this in so much of our entertainment even, that when people say, look, if we all just stick together on this, if we all perpetuate the same lie, we'll basically get through this. There was, there was one particular episode of, um, what was it? Uh, Star Trek, the, Star Trek The Next Generation. And in this particular uh, episode, 
the character of uh, Wesley, Wesley Crusher, is at Starfleet Academy. You, 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 most people probably know about this one. And for graduation, it's, it's, it's typical that uh, the cadets will do some kind of a very impressive maneuver using their starships. And, and they're going to do something around Saturn or something, and it's going to be a big deal. And, uh, but there's an illegal maneuver that they're not supposed to try because it's super dangerous. And it winds up that one of the five people, one of the five pilots that were gonna do this graduation, uh, you know, phenomenal thing to really impress everybody, one of the five pilots really did not have the skill sets. And they weren't supposed to do this maneuver anyway. But the maneuver goes bad. <coughs> the fifth pilot dies doing it. And now they have to do two things. They have to first, A, lie about the fact that they were attempting this dangerous maneuver, and B, simply state that the pilot that died simply died because he was a bad pilot, that they weren't really trying to do something illegal. And it's on the edge. They can't quite prove the people who are bringing a hearing within Starfleet Academy can't quite prove it. And again and again, the ringleader of all this, the guy, the kid who basically was in charge of this group, their, their senior, the senior, as it were, keeps saying, all we have to do is stick together. And what you watch happening in the course of this episode is, is the angst, the, the, the gnawing uh, pain that all of the five participants are going through as they recognize how much their perpetuated lie, how much it is taking out of them personally, how, how hard it is to sustain it, how contrary to the rules and regulations and spirit of Starfleet Academy lying like this is. And, 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 and as an audience, you are just empathetically drawn into their dilemma. How far can we let this go? And ultimately, the way it plays out is that Wesley uh, tells the truth and that's it and, and, and pays a price for it and others uh, pay a price also. But in the end, he did the right thing. What happens when an entire segment of the country basically closes its eyes and ears and perpetuates a lie for more than two years now, and the person who is the object and subject of the lie, without any hesitation will repeat it and continue re repeats it again and again, is being caught in more and more lies as he goes. And yet, no one is able or willing to pull back from it, or no one, not sufficient. The numbers, the, the mass of the lie, measured by the number of people participating in it, and with something to gain from it, is such that there seems to be no immediate way to pull back from it. Now, now 
does that, does no one under, does, is everybody participating in the Trump lie immune? Are they, are they all shutting off their internal psyches? Are people able to completely jettison their consciences? Are people able to function without any kind of what we would call a soul, without anything that, any, without any internal voice saying, look, you're lying. Are they able to go day by day and not feel the angst and the illness within them? H how do you do that? Well, you, the only way to do that, and history has shown this, is that it has to be shared. You have to share this lie with enough people, be around enough people so that it no longer is your lie, one would think. You're just sort of, you're in it with others, but, but you can divorce yourself from the source of it. You'll simply live with it, but you see, even that doesn't work after a while. So how do people live with lying as blatantly and openly, and, and it's on the level of a national party. And if you're not lying outright, you're basically not saying anything to stop it because you're afraid of the consequences to you. How, how, do, you, how do you live like that when we're talking about tens of millions of people wrapped into this process together? I don't think you live any better. I don't think you live any more, you live any, you, you, you don't undo, you don't wake up happy. You never feel a moment's peace or, or true peace and rest because you are precisely, as Carrie Lake says, you're living in crap. But you see, the crap is of your own making. You're living a lie. And, and what would otherwise be a normal process of political parties, you know, uh, uh, trading horses and, and, and trading barbs in this election cycle and up to this election day is, is, is basically turned, it metastasizes into this effort to take down the very system within which all of that is happening. This, this is what happens when a lie becomes this big. Now, I've said this on any number of shows, the, the quickest solution, the, the, the fastest possible solution, well, it's not a solution, the, the, the first step in achieving a solution, in, in breaking this really bad fever that's in the country right now, is to basically indict, try, convict, and incarcerate Donald. Take him off the playing board for a substantial percentage, a good percentage, of the deniers or the people who will uh, permit the denial, this is going to be a relief. Get him out of there. Maybe, maybe are th those, those who simply are going along to get along. But then there's going to be a really, and then there's a substrate, and the substrate of those who honestly believe up to now, without too much fact, that he won. But once they realize that he's been convicted and realize that this could have bearings on their lives, 
they may, a, a large number of those are going to be, their, their zeal for Donald will diminish. That's still going to leave a few million people out there who are going to be infuriated at the thought that Donald could be indicted, tried, convicted, and incarcerated. And they will feel that this is the ultimate statement of betrayal. America has betrayed them. It's time to take back America. And they are the ones that you'll have to worry about. They are the ones who God knows what will, they'll do. They don't know what they would achieve they, they, have, they, they have to break something. They become the Timothy McVeighs. And I hate to use that analogy. But, but that kind of anger and madness and insanity now is going to simply have to play itself out. It's always, by the way, folks, it's always been there. But it's going to have to play itself out. And it's going to have to play itself out as federal and state authorities keep very, very close track of these people and not allow stuff to happen. Will the people who are being elected at positions of responsibility, governors, secretaries of state, legislatures, will those people be willing to stop the destruction of a system in which they then would lose their positions of authority? Because if you don't have a functional democracy, well then what the hell good is being a governor or being a secretary? What does any of that mean? It means nothing. Will they go along with this? Will they, knowing the economic consequences, will, will they finally recognize that we are on a pathway to take down the entire structure of the country if this sense of we're living in crap and grievance, if that's allowed to play itself out to its illogical insane conclusion? Will people in positions of authority, Republicans in position of authority, finally get it? I don't know. I honest to God don't know. Bill, Bill Maher said something. He was being interviewed uh, the other day. Uh, I think it was over the weekend. He was being interviewed by Fareed Zakaria. Brilliant, brilliant guy. Fareed Zakaria was talking to him about, and they were talking about Donald and, and what Donald would or wouldn't do and how things would work out. And, and, and Bill Maher said something. He said it before on his show. But he said, I will bet every cent I have, everything I've got, and I'm a, you know, I've got some money and, and I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm by, by many definitions elite in this country, but I'll bet everything that on, election, on, on Inauguration Day 2025, and this is assuming Trump loses legally if he runs, that's still not guaranteed, Michael Cohen still thinks he won't, but let's see. I will bet that Trump, even if, he's, if he has lost, will show up or attempt to show up for an inaugurations. Now, he didn't, go, he didn't go into what I'm going to say right now, that I can imagine Trump having or attempting a false, a, an alternative, an alternative inauguration somewhere. It would, it would have to be broken up. It would have to be stopped. But I, I, I can see that happening. Can't you? Donald runs. He loses again. He loses even bigger than he did the last time. 
And, 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 and let's say that the, let's say by, by, by tonight or tomorrow, whenever, we realize that the Republicans have taken both the House and the Senate. And they do nothing but basically bitch and moan and scream, and they start basically investigating Hunter Biden. And maybe use that and say, you see, you see, because of his son that way, he could, and, and, and the Democrats come back and say, you sick bastards. Even with Donald and everything that his kids were in the middle of with his position, we never went after the, what is wrong with you? The, 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 the Department of Justice has been investigating Hunter Biden now for quite some time. And if there's going to be an indictment, they'll bring it on their own. They are so far forward of where we were or where they were with Donald at the, at the, uh, at the point of the, of the insurrection on January 6th of 2021 in the investigation of Hunter Biden. There's no need for this. You're simply putting on a tit-for-tat uh, investigation, and you'll have you'll have Ron Johnson yelling and screaming, and how can you possibly have a president? And it's going to be a joke. And the American people will get that joke. And Donald, if he tries to run, uh, in, I don't know how he'd run independently. I mean, uh, you know, uh, basically you have uh, Rubio and you have uh, DeSantis and a bunch of other people who expect that they're going to be at the top of the ticket, and they're hoping that Donald will find a way off. And we'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes. We're back to the St. Francis prayer. Lord, give me the strength to change the things that I can and must change, the patience to accept the things that I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. That's, that's, that's paraphrased. I mean, and, and, and I don't even know if he actually ever said that, but it's attributed to Francis of Assisi, uh, a medieval, early medieval saint uh, of, of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, well, of the Christian Church is generally of the pre, the pre-Reformation ch- Christian Church, um, and this is what it's about. Uh, we can do and will do everything we can to avoid the destruction of this country by forces that are operating openly to attempt to destroy it based on non-existent, well, they, they, they may very well feel a sense of grievance. That, 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 the, the, the feeling may be real. They feel aggrieved, but, but much of the aggrieving is basically living with an entrapped fear. The fear that comes with having to perpetuate a lie. The fact that I have to live like this. I, I doubt if many of them could, could say this out loud. But what's bothering me more than anything else in the world is that I have to live holding on to this lie. If you go back to that Star Trek episode, Wesley, uh, Wesley Crusher, what was eating him up alive was having to live with the lie and then finally exposing it in himself, freeing himself of this lie, and then dealing with the consequences. And you'd have to have tens of millions of people go through this cathartic process as part of the reestablishment of rationality within the American political system. This is not going to be an easy process. These people are, are already emotionally and ethically outside the system right now. 
We have people who are kind of uh, playing and giving lip service to running the system, but not so much to preserve the essence of the, of the constitutional basis for that system, what the founding fathers would have recognized as the system. No, they're looking to basically balderize, to basically to put the fix on that system to hopefully uh, others, you and I, a lot of people won't notice that the system no longer does what it was supposed to do. There's just the trappings of it. And that's what they're thinking right now because they live in a state of perpetual grievance and there are no boundaries because Donald has no boundaries, you see. Donald has no off switch. Donald has no steering wheel. Donald has no accelerator. He is simply, the gas pumps in at full speed, there's no steering wheel on the car, and it's perpetually on. He can't stop himself from lying. He has no way around it. His, his, his pathology is such that he is driven to do this. Now, he has no Weltanschauung, no worldview, no particular sense of what America could or should be. He sees only his own power. But of course, there are others out there who recognize what an opportunity this is to utterly take, uh, to, to, to completely change the nature of what has been the strongest and most powerful democracy in the world. And we haven't even begun to talk about the role of the military in this, the largest and strongest and most overwhelmingly powerful military in the history of the planet. What would their role be in the event that there is a, uh, a, an illegal, an obviously illegal, attempt to take over power in this country, to hold on to power. If Donald tries to have a counter-inauguration, what does the military do? The military loves order. The military can't stand disorder. Okay, Donald, we'll have you, we'll take you. No. We'll, we'll, we'll get someone in charge, but we'll be the power. I, I've said this any number of times, but it would only be if the military is forced to that level. Oh yes, tomorrow morning will look like this morning. It'll look this way for some time to come. And we'll go through Thanksgiving, we'll go through Christmas. And we'll watch, depending on how things play out today and how far people are willing to go and what Merrick Garland does in terms of uh, finally bringing down an indictment and how far the, the violent reaction might be on the part of the core Trumpians, I, I have no idea. I know what my sincerest wish is for this country, that we preserve our democracy, that we continue to have a, a functional uh, pair of parties that can go at each other, that, dear God, we learn something about the type of people that we put in the highest positions of authority having gone through this, that we, that we essentially recognize that no democracy is guaranteed that Mr. Franklin was correct. Sir, will it be a republic if we can keep it, answered Benjamin Franklin in France. We are, uh, I, I can't change 
any of this. I can do what I'm doing on air right now. I can look forward and say what I think I see coming down the path. I think that those who say, oh, well, it'll just go on and work itself back into some kind of a systemic thing, it'll all be fun. I, I don't think that's realistic at this point. I, I, I simply don't. You've got too many angry people with 300 million guns on the street someplace, and things are going to get a little ugly because you can't allow Donald to take over. You can't allow it. We can't. And, and, if, and if God forbid he won fair and square, it would be even worse because then, then it would be uh, retaliation time. And <laughs> oh my. But it is election day and we are going through the process. I, I don't want to say the motions. I hope that if people decide, if, if a valid election determines that Americans want to see Republicans take over but control of both houses at this moment in time, then so be it. But let's be prepared for what will come next. Because then Republicans in control must begin deciding among themselves, well, are we going to take it down revitalize it, or just keep living with a lie? What will we do with our power? What does it mean to be elected in America? Does it, what is our responsibility to all Americans? What, what is this place? Who are we? Where are our loyalties? Are our loyalties to one individual, a, a, a pathological liar, a, a pathological narcissist, who we know we never wanted in the first place? Do we need to have a new kind of Republican leader emerge? Is there someone out there who can lead a new Republican party that can give us a sense of getting past things that have been wrong for Republicans without having to just simply live and dwell in grievance and lies. Can we win the hearts and souls of America? We've done it before. Can we do it again? Is there another, is there another Ronald Reagan out there? I was no great fan, but is there anyone out there who basically can unite this country and not just drive it further apart in the name of the Republican Party. DeSantis? No. Greg Abbott? No. Marco Rubio? No. Who? Who's out there that even stands a chance of making it through the nominating process? Donald? Yeah, he'd probably make it through the nominating process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's running the Republican Party like he runs his companies. 100%. Everything goes through him. Vicious, hateful, threatening. <laughs> oh. Happy Election Day. Think 
positive thoughts because it is positive. It's possible. It is possible to, to come past this. I, I can only imagine what it must have been like as we were approaching civil war in this country. What things must have been like in the 1920s, during the, in the, you know, in the 30s, in the Depression. How close we came to a uh, complete breakdown of our, of our national system at that point. What it was like during the Second World War. What we thought of when we thought we might no longer be functional. What, how, think back to the 60s, for God's sake. When basically uh, Vietnam divided the country tremendously. Think of all these things where we've been fearful before, but, but, never has, but never has this been in the service of a sociopath that basically brought out the worst in a huge number of people. I don't know. I don't know where it goes. But I, but I have hope. I have hope. I see, I see a good future. It may be a while before we get there. But there is a chance, a very good chance, that America will somehow come through this and once again lead by example in a positive, hopeful way. <laughs> I'm not sure if today is the day that I can convince myself of that. But I believe it. In my heart of hearts, I believe it. Because I cannot live embracing the fear that grips the Republican Party. They're living in fear. When you hold on to a lie as long and as hard as Donald and his cohorts do, you live in fear. Please, anyone who's ever had to live holding on to a lie, understand the fear that comes with it. The fear of being found out, that's a very, very practical thing. But the, the, base, the base level fear in your soul of, of living in a contradictory state and of, of avoiding the things you have to do to avoid even any evidence that might give you a, a direction away from that lie, to pull you away from it because you know, somewhere in you, you know. You have this fear. The lie is a fear and you don't want to have to face it because you've chosen it with Donald. Imagine the fear. This is the most fearful human being on the planet. The most hopeless human being on the planet. And he's guiding the fate of a political party and very possibly the future of a country if he is allowed to continue on unfettered. Merrick Garland, wake the fuck up and indict this guy. And let's be getting on with the business of America. Enough already. Enough talking about it. Enough explaining it. Make this country a country where everyone is equal under the law and Donald must pay the price for his crimes. Period. Now, Republicans got Donald. That's their pie-in-the-sky loony tune. We have, at this moment, Merrick Garland. And by God, he damn well better do the right thing and do it damned soon. Because every day, 
that this guy goes unindicted, untried, unconvicted, and unincarcerated is another day that the sickness and the illness and the fear just continues to burgeon and build and build up all the more, and it'll take that much more to bring the fever down. For God's sake, merit. Do the right damned thing. Happy Election Day, one and all. Oh, and a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. It is Election Day 2022, to which I opine, Lord, give me the strength to change the things I must, the patience and the fortitude, really, to tolerate the things that I can't. And more than anything else, give me the wisdom to understand the difference between the two.